BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. There'd be a lot of poop in my hands. (laughs) (laughs) Seen a six-foot alligator go swing into the air and slam into a tree. These guys are the scientists of the supernatural, lecturers leaving lessons for inquiring laymen. They are applying the scientific method to a world that baffles science. They are the cryptids of the corn. But who else has big black wings and red eyes? Um, Batman. Oh, Mothman. Oh yeah, Mothman. A great white shark was stolen. Oh, someone stole a shark? I got stuff for you you don't even know about. She's a witch. She turned me into a newt. Who knows? Anything could be possible. Anything could be possible. It's really big mm-hmm. abduction vibes. Holy moly. It sounds like you were abducted. And it just stood up. I mean, it just like kept going and going. And she goes, what the Hello, hello, and welcome back to Crippers of the Corn podcast. I am the great and powerful mystery. And I am just Jay. Just Jay. Don't believe it. It's just me. Mm, I'll put a voice modifier on. Why? Make it not just you. But it is just me. Mm, Is it now? You're manipulating things. Reality is what I make it. Indeed. (laughs) All right, so... Ross did remember something from his previous encounter. So we did Ross. Uh, Ross did a call in a couple weeks ago. So that's what this Wednesday's episode is going to be about. Ooh. So a Ross reprieve. Mm-hmm. Ross Ross reprieve. And uh, I did some actual research into this one. I listened to it since it was short, and I have some history about the thing he's seen. So don't look. Oh, don't don't look. I tried to look, but you can't see nothing from this angle. So we're gonna listen. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. So this is Ross. Mm-hmm. All right, so um, there's one thing I forgot that is possibly important um, to the whole thing involving Corpsewood. Uh, there was around the beginning of this happening, like when I guess maybe after, you know, when I actually started talking to the guy or whatever, um, there was this evening where I had woken up, I got up a dead sleep and like sat straight up in bed. Um, and there was a heaviness there, kind of again, uh, a feeling of, of unease. And I was all like just all of a sudden in a different reality. Like I'm find myself like hanging on to this ledge in this pit, like I'm on the edge of this pit. Right. And it's like this, this inky blackness, like this darkness, like 
nothing else I could describe. It wasn't like a color. It was more like a, like the uh, epitome or the, um, what you would, I don't know if, if the color black was like an organism, it would be this. And like, there was like little writhing tendrils, like they were kind of coming up and, and bridging like the, um, the ledge that I was holding onto. And like, I'm dangling off this pit and above me is just like, it's like this white light and like this brilliance to it. Like is almost like a sparkly thing. Um, and like, there's these, this voice and it's like, like pleading for me not to go. It's just like saying over and over, don't go, don't go. And, uh, it, uh, it was like, if you were to take like a few hundred to like, you know, a thousand or two individual voices and like kind of compress them, not like perfectly together, but very close to perfectly together. That's what it sounded like. And like, I heard this thing before, like many years before, um, when I was literally little and I, I don't know exactly why, but it was that same voice. Okay. So after being like hanging onto the edge of this pit, I like wake up out of it or snap back to the reality. And I see this thing like scurry from my bed, um, from under my bed to like the corner of the room where there's like this pile of stuff. And like, it goes into like the deeper shadows of my already dark room. Uh, and the thing looked like, uh, what's called a Baku, which is a, um, a mythical creature from Japan, like a dream eater is what they, what they're called, like another name for him. It's actually oddly enough what, um, what the hypno and, um, drowsy from Pokemon are based off of. And it, it looks like a combination of like a pig and an elephant and like, like something else. Uh, it's really a bizarre looking creature, but that's what it, that's what the thing was. That's what it looked like. And, uh, yeah, so that was the first time this happened in the year, like literally like a year to the day, a year later from this happened. I was in Texas visiting um, some family, and the same kind of thing happened. Um, I mean, I wish I knew the time of the initial instance because it was – I mean, I, I would be astonished if it wasn't the exact exact to the second year later from this time period. Um, but so like I'm asleep again and I wake up and the same feeling, the same kind of, um, uh, oppressive weirdness, um, kind of, you know, I, I, I wake up in, into that feeling again. And, uh, this time I'm not in the, I'm not on a pit anymore. I'm actually in this hallway and the hallway is made of that, that brilliant, like ethereal light. And there's a door at the end of the hallway and I'm like watching myself, um, you know, reach for the handle of this door. And I can see these, the black tendrils, um, kind of writhing from under the door. And I know that same darkness, the same inky, like living darkness is, is coming from it. And, uh, the same voice is pleading with me not to go. And, um, so I, I, uh, as I'm touch, as I'm like, like literally grabbing this handle to open the door, I wake up out of it again, and I see like the the very end of um, that the Baku like go through the wall, um, which is above the bed. Okay, this is about to end, so I will continue this in the second part. Okay, so thinking like after, after hearing like the um, you know, explanation of this being kind of a ritualistic setup. 
kind of makes sense. And I think that was that instance, like it, this is never something, this is something that kind of just kind of occurred to me after listening to this, like, and, um, you know, sharing this part of the story that I left out initially. Uh, but, um, it, it was, it was something basically trying to warn me about this. Um, and I don't know, it kind of came together weird, but I think that, I think the I, I think the book does exist and I don't know exactly why, like, there's just there's a feeling about it I have. Like, I think it was probably set up. It was something that was like really um, negative. But like, the people that were that this there was there was a lot of talk about them uh, having like they had like specific rooms. This is the room like one of them he was referred to as a pink room, which is basically like a room to sleep, do drugs and like get, like drink and stuff. But they had other rooms in this place, um, the castle or the house or whatever you want to call it. Uh, where they would perform rituals and like I think that some of it was documented and like with some of the potential links with them and like some of the CIA programs and also Temple Set and all that like I think that it was uh, partial research that was done on witting or unwitting subjects um, in rist- like methods of rist- like ritualistic torture um, that was I mean which is what was done with MK um, but in a context of using them to using, I guess, the fear and also like the um, eventual like mental pliability that they were able to obtain from these states to, um, you know, program people to be able or not, I guess, program is not necessarily the world, but, you know, to use this stuff, like use these energies to like do what exactly I don't know. Um, and like, I mean, like the, the actual location of this thing was super specific. Like I said that I didn't like go into detail, but it was literally like from the door of the castle. Like if you look at the pictures, the castle, and I'll try to send you one here in a second, but um, it's the third flagstone from the front of the door is where exactly this book is located, supposedly. And um, yeah, like I don't know necessarily, I, I doubt like, you know, I, I don't know that I would have survived it if I would have gone to the thing, especially like, you know, being a you know, teenager kid. But I don't know if it's if, if somebody hasn't gotten it yet. Like, I think that it's probably still there. Um, and I think that's also like why there's like things that are guarding that property is because, I mean, what's it, if why else would something guard it? Like, why would there be like this um, whole notion of a demon or something that like is, um, you know, patrolling this thing, like not allowing certain people to be there, like without having it, without having something to guard, like what else would it be? Like, I mean, I guess it could just be like the energies of the area, but it just seems to me that there would be some sort of valuable item there, um, whether it be that book or something else that we just don't know about. And, um, I guess I'll start exploring more into the background of um, some of these people and like um, see if I can find out some more information. But uh, yeah, that was what I forgot to like add to the first part of it. Like it, it, it's been years since I've really thought about a lot of this stuff. Um, but um, yeah. Anyways, thanks. All right. So wow. I had to like kind of recall his last story about him on the search for that book. Remember, yeah. Getting the, those messages like a putting him on the search, hunting. Like a scavenger hunt almost. Yeah, very rich, ritualistic. And we talked about maybe the book didn't even exist. It was just a lore. Yeah. And he feels that the book does exist. Mm-hmm. And which is he easily could. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, Koopa go with ways. Now, remember a lot of the stuff he was dealing with was in his dreams too. Remember the the weird smiling man. Yep. The creature that he made a deal with at the foot of his bed. Mm-hmm. It's all very dream related, which I think is just dreams are odd. Yeah, we don't under fully understand what dreams even are. I think there are. There's definitely. I'm I'm a big proponent believer in the. There's definitely the dreams that help organize information, mm-hmm. and then there's ones that are prophetic, and then there's ones that are more like this. Yeah, where you're actually entering. I think I don't know. It's it's a hard thing to. I almost think too. Like I think we talked about it with Daryl a little bit. I think entities can also manipulate your dreams. Yes, your thoughts from your dreams. Mm-hmm. So. It could have put him in a world or in a scenario or, you know, in a whole situation where he thought he was in in his dream. And So I, I did some research. Okay. Which uh, I think I'm going to start doing for some of these, depending. Okay. I may listen to them before you because I, I enjoyed looking into this one. Uh, about the Baku and the other thing. So there was two entities in his dream, and I don't know if Ross may not realize it either. If there was two? Yeah. He's thinking it might, could have just been one? It was I don't know, uh, you know. So what do you what do you if you had to find me two entities that he encountered? What were the two entities? Well, that shadowy thing. Yep. Whatever that shadow was, which is reminding me of like kind of like the mind flare from Stranger Things. Yeah. Kind of what I sort of pictured in my head. Um. Then the other entity, the Baku, the actual little creature he seen. Right. The one he seen after he woke up. Like, yeah. Kind of woke physically up. Physically seen it. Yeah. So. Why I came to the conclusion that those are two separate things okay. is we're going to go into the Baku's history. Okay. Uh, as far as anybody's concerned, it's definitely not a bad creature in any way, shape, or form. Uh, Hello Kitty actually had a Baku. Hmm. Several Bakus. So they're, uh, the Baku is the Japanese supernatural being that is said to devour nightmares. According to these legends, these are created from spare parts that are left over by the gods when they finish creating all the other animals. Hmm. There's a long history in Japan and folklore and art of these creatures, and most recently appeared in mangas and animes. The Japanese term Baku is, has currently, in modern day, two meanings, the dream devourer creature that we talked about, and the Malayan tapir. Okay. Uh, because tapirs kind of look very similar to what this creature is described as, and we'll get there. In traditional Japanese nightmare devourer, the Baku uh, actually originates in Chinese folklore about the Mo, or the giant panda. It was a familiar in Japan as early as the Morikari period, the 14th-15th century. Oh, okay. Horatandu was described as a dream eater with his abilities attributed to the traditional Baku and relates to them from other uh, privatized or privatized demons against nightmares, such as amulets and so on. Uh, this is cited in a 1957 paper. Ni- yeah, 1957 paper. Makazu also describes his dream eater capabilities in the tradition of the traditional Baku. So this has popped up again and again. In the early 17th century, it was also described as this Chinese mythical creature with a trunk and tusk of that of an elephant, ears of a rhino, tail of a cow, and body of a bear, with paws of a tiger, which protected against uh, pre- which protected and helped it feed upon evil. Although eating nightmares was not included among its abilities, however, in 19, or 1791, Japanese woodblock illustrators specific dream destroyer Baku is depicted as an elephant-headed, tusked, and trunked with horns and tiger claws. The elephant head, trunk, and tusk are characteristics of the Baku portrayed in classic era, pre-Maya, Japan, uh, woodblock paints. So yeah, this thing has a long history. Yeah. Uh, it's very odd looking. It almost gets, to me, a lot of their depictions are 
a much more like a almost like a hedgehog with a wide, short body, big claws, with an elephant trunk and a little tusk. Okay. And that's kind of what Ross seen. You know, very Baku like. Uh Baku nowhere in their uh hundreds of years of depictions have ever been thought to be evil. Okay. Uh, not a lot saying they're good either. Right, right, right. But these guys eat nightmares and eat evil nightmares specifically. Well, most nightmares are evil or are dark. scary. Scary, right? yeah. They can be scary without being evil. True. Like people have a nightmare of a shark. I mean, that's pretty scary. That's but evil. not evil. It's all about your brain and irrational fears and rational fears. True. This is an evil nightmare. As in, you know, it's something attacking Ross. Right, yeah. That's more what I'm getting at. Okay. There are just neutral nightmares where they are scary, but there's nothing innately evil about them. Okay. Like wa- like worms and stuff like that. People would literally freak out. Yeah. Uh, so the Baku is more of a parasite on evil. Where it's said to eat small bad dreams and feast on larger bad dreams. So what I think is happening, and this is, I'm not a Japanese folklore expert by any means. Uh, but from all this little reading I did on the Baku, it is just there to eat on bad dreams, on nightmares, specifically more evil ones. So if Ross is seeing that during these events, it means that he that's those those nightmares are evil. Right. Which he's claimed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In the description, they sounded pretty evil. Mm-hmm. Now, the other entities that he's seeing, it's funny because they also pop up. There's similar things in Japanese folklore as well. Uh, there's the the ocean yokai, which is described as a black mass of writhing tentacles. Wow, it's kind of exactly what he described. And they are the destroyer of men. Wow, they're pure evil in nature. Okay, uh, nothing with them involving dreams that I could find. Uh, they're considered. They kind of get associated with this super deep ocean, and destroying fishing villages and stuff like that. Like when they descend upon men, they're kind of like the undoing of men. It's the anti whalers. There you go. Yeah. It just—it's very weird that I could find a very extremely similar thing in Japanese folklore when he put a very similar thing in Japanese folklore. Yeah. Now that we there's dream eaters all over the world. Speaking of which, you said it, and it reminded me in the episode, and then he said it shortly after when he said dream eater. My mind immediately went to Pokemon, and his next line was, was drowsy, drowsy from Pokemon. Yeah. I'm like, whoa! That's the creature he's based off of. Yeah, it's nuts. What do you think so far? I think it's just wild. Um, I mean, it's kind of crazy you found that little tie-in that's like very, very similar in Japanese like culture that he had in his dream that he didn't make any connection to. That's pretty interesting. I wonder if there is actual connection with that being or whatever it was. So in Japan, the Baku is considered extremely rare for mm-hmm. their monster lore. Okay. That they don't just happen to anybody. And they prefer certain hosts. Uh, this is because they are believed to eat, once again, bad dreams associated with the, S- the Samantoto beliefs. All bad things that humans think, do, and happen to them, disease, accidents, evil urges, etc., are caused by these evil spirits that attach to people. Hmm. Okay. And these induce nightmares. Mm-hmm. The more evil spirits you have attached to you, or the bigger, the more powerful evil experience, uh, spirit you have attached to you, the worse and more intense your nightmares are. Wow. The more likely you are to attract a Baku. Mm. And the more likely you attract multiple Baku. Mm. So whether or not, because it was a different area, he had this Baku encounter. 
Yeah. They may have been different. If we want to believe that they actually seen a real Baku. Right. They may have been different Baku. Right, yeah. But his nightmares are so intense. That it draw, drew that, one yeah. in. And the actual spirit that may be either attached to him or falling to him is drawing it in. Well, something seemed to be attached when it came to those dreams he was having before. As far as like the gray, you know, looking man thing. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what to call it. Um, looking at him. But him being able to see through its eyes in his dreams kind of. Like, it sounds like something is attached, or was, and maybe this Baku is drawn to that, either to help him, or it's just its natural... I think it's, they're not considered, so they're more considered a spiritual beast in Japanese folklore, which aren't necessarily intelligent, but they're not necessarily inintelligent. It's just almost reactionary. Yeah. Yeah, so like, this being, spirit, whatever, is so full of, I don't know... Dark, not want to say darkness, but dense energy. Like, so we go back p- previous to the 14th century when it came from Chinese mythology, the Mo. Okay, the Mo is the creature that lies in the center of yin and yang, is neither good nor evil, but feeds upon nightmares and evil desires. Okay, so it definitely seems to be just a thing that exists. Yeah, yeah, it's very much what both folklores are going off of for the last. Let's see, 1,500 years. And Ross seems to be caught up right in the middle of it. Well, I think it's an indicator of what Ross was experiencing. Yeah, exactly. And this is what, if we were doing a biology lesson, this would be what is called an indicator species. Ah, almost like a, oh, what what fish? Give me a fish example. All right, I got tons of fish there are examples. I'll throw one out so I can oh, blue suckers. Blue suckers. See, you know the site's good. There you go. Don't even got to do the rest of the site. <laughs> But no, it's just so odd. It is. It's very odd. It's connected odd. with the Corpsewood Manor. It's connected with the, the spiritual... The spiritual realm, I, mean, I guess. But he's had these encounters with this weird smiling creature and the goat-like creature when he was a kid, up until this ritual with the book, mm-hmm. and even on with it, with Baku's showing up. So it's very much... You have everything from the smiling man-like entity to a satyr to a, a Japanese... A rare Japanese folklore monster. Right, yeah. That's kind of got all the bells and whistles. And so Ross talked to me about that uh, off air. And he's like, I don't, you know, I'm not one of these people that just says everything, they're experiencing everything and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, I don't know why I see, like, why I have all these experiences. And I, I talked to him and I, I seem to agree. I just think this hat, like some people Are get just, open to it. Yeah, I agree with that. And you have people that get open to it have two choices to where you start seeing all the little strings. And you start seeing all these little things. Mm-hmm. Like, he's seen the Baku for what it was. He didn't see it as a rat that was leaving his bed. And yeah. Home, you know? Yeah. He's seen the Baku for what it was. You know, a person. the other side is the person that forcibly ignores all of this. Yeah. Wants nothing to do with this. And so that would be a rat. The book would just be some creepy old pervert. Like, there's just all this stuff. Like, there's way, there's two ways to definitely look at all of it. Right, yeah. If, if you're one of those... I'd say special people that, but I think yeah. has this stuff like to where you're aware it's happening. You're you seeing it. Yes, because it's clearly it's not everybody. Yeah, it's a unique individual like experience. I don't know craziness, but I do think certain people are sensitive enough to where they they're open to this to witnessing these things. Now I wonder if that center mass of black tentacles that he's seen this organic life. Like, I get it. It's hard to describe. Like you said, if black was alive, yeah. if black was a living creature, is that the accumulation 
of all of the paranormal phenomena, the negative paranormal phenomena, and the tendrils are the like the faces, like because I we talked about one of his first encounters when he the first time we did this, that where the smiling man and the shader were actually the same phenomena. Right. There's no real trade. It was just a, it was all a joke. All one. Yeah. Uh, there's a facade. So he would agree to something. Right. Exactly. Yeah, is, we got to remember that element. He agreed to something, and he doesn't remember what. Yeah, and the book and the this this the spiritual nature of the the ritual that seems is it all not a tons of different things? Is it all the same phenomena? This black shadow force mm-hmm. that is portraying as these multiple things, mm. and these baku are just indicators that there's something going on. I very much think they're like parasites on evil. Yeah, to where they're eating evil. But not enough to really raise concern. Right. Like a dog with a tick. Like it's annoying, but it's not gonna do any you know, it's not gonna do anything long term. Right, yeah. I That's, don't know. What do you think? I think it's wild. I think it's just wild. I think Ross uh is a definitely a unique individual with I don't know, that just things are drawn to him for some reason. And people are I think are just like that. I, I think it just he, happens like he, that. Yeah, yeah, and he happens to be one of them. I don't know if it's an ancestral thing, like if it's in his DNA. I don't know if something happened in his family's past that's just, I don't know, it bubbles up. I don't know. It's crazy. It's craziness. Not like in a bad way crazy, but wild. Now, I would highly suggest to Ross, I don't know what your faith is. We haven't talked about that. Uh, but the Baku kind of signifies if spirits attached to a person. Okay. So that is something I would look into to make sure that you're they're not still attached to you. Right, yeah. Uh because that is the side of this field that they, they, they I think there's both there's experience phenomena without it being attached and attached phenomena. Mm-hmm. Now, from all the Japanese folklore I looked into, it seems that the baku is more of a sign, especially the longer the further back you go, the older text talks about it being more t- attracted to attached spirits. And if you're talking this kind of quasi biological side of it, that would make sense for a parasite to mm-hmm. have a more long-term host. Right. So you live versus, longer. Yeah. yeah. Or just the constant feed source. Exactly, yeah. If it's more of a temporary thing, you know, how is it going to find it? Right, exactly. But, yeah, that's what I would suggest is looking into that and being aware of that. Yeah. I I don't know if I have any suggestions. I'm as afraid to make one. I, I don't know. That's the only thing I could say. Just Just look into that and see how you feel about that. Yeah. And make sure you're not still carrying around some baggage you don't need to carry around. Right. That's not necessary. I mean, it's never necessary to have anything attached to you in a negative sense. Uh-huh. Get some ivermectin. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know if that works on spiritual parasites. I know I know from personal experience, it works really well on, on lung parasites. But that's true. Uh, it, it might. It, but you never know. It might work. Because maybe like par- there are actual parasites that produce some sort of reaction within your body well, if you, that you, might open up doors. You're doing strain, or, uh, Stranger Things logic. He has to have the physical tie in. Yeah. Like he has to lose, like in the first thing, you know, in the seasons, the little slugs. and Right, yeah. Like he has to have that physical tie in to pull himself all the way through. Right. So it is a very much a spiritual entity or a metaphysical entity. But it has to have physical anchors to work. What if he did do like because ivermectin does remove parasites and things like that? Don't. I'm not saying we're not medical professionals. No, Don't no, take no. anything as medical advice. No, definitely not. No, I'm just hypothetically speaking. If he did, 
if like, you know, and then he went through the process of his body dumping whatever's, you know, purging whatever's in him. And what if like these entities like start freaking out because they're losing their, that would be, that would be scary. But he'd be I purged I personally it. don't think it'll work. Yeah. I don't, I, it was more of a joke. But oh, I know it was. Yeah. But I'm knows? just saying if what you start if. coughing up slugs that have human faces. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it might be some concern. Might be some concern. They don't pick up on x-ray because they're flesh consistency. Oh, Yeah. Except the little teeth. Yeah, this is wild. I love hearing the stories. If anyone out there please. listening, just please yes. submit us your stories. The speaker pipe, I really like that the best. It's nice listening to you guys. It's easy for us because we get a, we don't have to read it. We get to sit and enjoy. And enjoy in your own words. Like mm-hmm. That's the best part. It's your yeah, voice, your no words. with our inflections and stuff like that. Yeah. Trying to guess what, like, were you laughing at this part? Were you, you know, yelling at this part? Right. So please submit some more. We would greatly appreciate them. Right, exactly. Anything else before we go? No, no, this has been Ross, fun. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very, uh, very much. Praying for you, bud. Yep. Uh, next time we see you in person, because you talked about coming up to Crypticon. Ooh. We're gonna dump holy water on you. Yeah. First to meet you. We'll sprinkle you down. Don't take offense. It's just for your own safety. That's right. <laughs> Get it. Just he's just. We just need a squirtman at the booth. <laughs> little cross as a as a little uh, uh crosshair. Yeah, the crosshairs is an actual, an actual cross. cross. <laughs> All right, I've been the great and powerful mystery. And I've just been Jay. You guys have a good week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Crips of the Corn podcast. Please share with a friend you think would like us. It's the best way to help our show grow. Leave a comment, rate us, a five-star review. And remember, there's always extra content on Patreon slash CryptoTheCorn.com. And don't forget, stay magical.